Welcome back to Scripts on Scripture. I'm your host, Heather Preston, and we're here to talk about all things Bible. With me is my co-host, Ivory McDonald, what worship leader, singer-songwriter, all the, all the things. <laughs> all the things. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about violence in the Bible and all the gory details. Oh, that's fun. Let me ask you a question, though. <laughs> yeah, what's that? And this is going to be like a really random question. You're going to be like, what does this have anything to do Your questions with are always what are random. we talking about? But they <laughs> always have a point. There's always a connection. Okay. 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 What is your favorite movie of all time? Ooh. Ooh. That is a good question. I mean, can, can I specify a genre? I mean, because... <laughs> I like a lot of like historical war movies. But okay. And there are other okay. movies that I like that are more like about journalism or that type of thing. Okay, let's go back to the war movies. I love The Gladiator. Okay, fam. Okay. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. But it is very, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's very gory. Yes. It's very bloody. Yes. Okay. And like you remember that one scene where that guy got like hit, like, like uh, cut yeah. in half. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I was watching that with my sister. And oh she my! Was like, yeah. Why did they have to do that? Why? Why? <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. My favorite movie. Okay. I mean, it's not maybe not my ultimate favorite, <laughs> but like one of my favorite movies of all time mm-hmm. is The Lord of the Rings. Oh goodness! Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. Every last one of them. Uh huh. Now, it's a. Don't watch that movie when you're trying to eat. No. Don't do that. No, with the orcs and all that. It's not going. It's not Mm going to bode well Mm -mm. for you. But um, you know, like all those scenes where like they're they're fighting each other and the the armies come at each other. Yes. I can't handle it, fam. It's it's yeah, it's intense. Like I just be sometimes I just be fast. Another thing that I have found (laughs) is that my favorite movie is not oftentimes the movie I will watch the most. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, and this is a confession. I love Jurassic Park, okay? Oh, who doesn't? That is one of my favorite movies. Who doesn't? And I will watch that one a lot. Right. But, like, when it comes to standard of that is the all-time, like, the like the Gladiator. Mm-hmm. I don't watch that movie all the time. That's true. But... No, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. So cause... I feel like sometimes, you know, you, you have favorite movies, but they're they're for the special occasion where you're like that's the I'm in that, that movie yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah. exactly because another thing is Lord of the Rings is a commitment to watch it sure enough <laughs> is three and a half hours fam each movie it's a lot so so I can't just like hey I want to just sit down and watch the Lord of the Rings for a little bit like that's, that's true. not gonna happen it takes a lot so- out of you. especially with all them fighting and, and and things so um well another thing is all the movies we just named are kind of violent very <laughs> Very, <laughs> uh, very. So you weren't wrong when you said that was an appropriate question. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta Is trust it? me. <laughs> so the Bible has a lot to say about violence. It sure enough does. And people have a lot of opinions. Yes, they do about what the Bible says about violence. Yes, and and if people are not careful, they can use that as ammunition. Yep. You know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. To like justify 
them going off on rampages like, yes. like we've seen throughout yes. history. Or they use it and they misappropriate the heart of God. True. Yes. Yes. To say that ultimately this is, you know, how, how does God sanction this kind of behavior? A loving God, a good God right. wouldn't do that. Right. So it's an important, it's really an important topic to discuss. Yeah. But that that's what we're going to be looking at today. And it's not just even war in the Bible. There's a lot of that. But it's also sacrifice mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. what's the deal with all the blood? Mm-hmm. Like the opening lines of Leviticus alone are straight up all about blood and entrails. I mean, it's gross. <laughs> it's gross. So, you know, you kind of have to step back and go like, what's the deal with the shock effect? Like right. we, we're just trying to read my Bible and, mm-hmm. and I'm just being, you know, assaulted with all this <laughs> bloody imagery. One of the most, I think one of the most critical verses to understanding God's heart when it comes to violence um, or when it comes to blood is actually all the way back in Genesis. And it's the first instance where injustice, blood really appears mm-hmm. on the scene. And it's it's when Cain kills his brother Abel. Mm. And God literally comes and he confronts Cain. And he says, what have you done? Yeah. He says, the voice of your brother's blood cried out to me. Yeah. Now here's, here's the thing. I really wish we had time to go into the personification of blood because that is fascinating. But, but the fact that God cannot ignore injustice is something we really have to keep in mind. Yeah. He, it would go against his character. Yeah. He, he cannot, he literally cannot. We always talk about, you know, all the things that God can do. There are also some things within the parameters of his character that he can't go against. He cannot contradict himself. So he cannot ignore injustice. So he comes and he confronts Cain about this. That's something to keep in mind as we're reading. Anytime God sanctions war or he, he, he sends his people out, there's always mercy that precedes it, but yeah. there's also always justice. Yeah. And that is something that is something that um I, I really want us to be mindful of as we go into some of these stories. You know, growing up, like I, I didn't I didn't r- realize that or recognize that right. until I was much older and then started studying the scripture mm, a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Because like when you're reading the Bible as a kid or a teenager or whatever, and you and you don't you're not necessarily doing the research, right? Right. And you're reading about all of these accounts and like bloody entrails <laughs> and <laughs> God told the children of Israel to kill everybody. Uh-huh. Men, uh-huh. women, and the children. You know what I'm saying? You're, like, you're reading Whoa. that you're like... Yeah, exactly. And then people tell me that God is a God of love. Love. like, And I didn't, I didn't understand that for a yeah. long, long time until I got older and actually started studying. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think one of the most um, incredible examples uh, for me uh, visually, it, it's a picture of what exactly God does in terms of protecting His people, not only from 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 death or destruction, but also from from defiling themselves in the sense that He He wants to keep their hands clean as yeah. as possible. So Rahab. We're mm-hmm. going to talk a little bit about Rahab, but the Israelites have, they're, they're taken out of Egypt. Moses has led them for 40 years. 
he passes the baton to Joshua and they're about to charge in and take the promised land, right? which they've obviously been dreaming about for 40 years. But the promised land is occupied. Mm-hmm. The promised land is inhabited by the Canaanites. Yep. You have this situation where they are are on the on the edge of the promised land, but they have to go to war. Yeah. And the battle plan is quite unique. Yeah. So <laughs> So, but it tells us a lot. It really tells us a lot when we look at what the battle plan is. It tells us a lot about God's intention for his people. But Rahab is a unique character. Mhm. And it says in scripture that she's a prostitute. Mm -hmm. A lot of people dispute this. They get really uncomfortable with her being a prostitute. And they want to say she's an innkeeper uh, because she's in the the line of of the... I can't can't, can't say on the camera what I actually wanted to say (laughs) because the people going to judge me. I won't say it. But the, the, but she the likelihood is she was both a prostitute and an innkeeper. Okay. Her house is on the perimeter, and there are all kinds of like speculations as to why she lived on the edge of the the city, why she's on the very very outer skirts. Um, a lot of people think it had to do with they they had uh, the Canaanites practice shrine prostitution. And the shrine prostitutes would be at the center of the city, and they were highly revered, mm-hmm. whereas your regular old prostitutes, not so much. <laughs> so if you were a shrine prostitute, you were allowed in the center. If you were a regular prostitute, you're on the outskirts of the oh, city. It's interesting. Didn't know that. So a lot of that is, is speculation. But archaeology does suggest that that's the way that the, um, the city was structured. And so um, you have Rahab, and she's on the very outer, outer, outer perimeter. Mm-hmm. And um, she is such a unique character. I wish we had more time to to talk about her because um, her her story is, is incredible. But essentially, she's heard stories mm-hmm. of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. She's heard stories of the miracles and the, you know, the parting of the Red Sea. And she's heard all of these accounts. And when the spies, you know, they... <laughs> They're terrible spies, by the way. They, are, they bungle the job terribly. They're about to get caught. She rescues them, hides them, basically does their job for them. Mm. And then she quotes to them, almost verbatim, the scriptures, yeah. um, which she could have only overheard. Like, there's no other way other than an angel of God delivering that to her, which scripture doesn't tell us happened. So the most logical conclusion is that she's overheard these conversations and has come to faith in God. Mm. And which is, which is so incredible. So the spies tell her, you know, you, you and your family, as long as you stay in your home Mm -hmm. on that point of the wall, tie a ribbon, scarlet ribbon around your, your window. And we will know that's your home. And anyone who is in your home will be saved. Yeah. Now God has extended a tremendous amount of mercy to the Canaanites. Talk about that. Anyone who would have turned like Rahab did would have been would would have been safe. Mm-hmm. You know, they they it's there's no reason that anyone else would have had to die. Yeah. Now, you might be thinking, well, why couldn't they just you know like leave them alone, go mm-hmm. somewhere else, that mm-hmm. kind of thing? We have to keep in mind there's still very much a battle between good and evil happening, yeah. and the Canaanites. So many of their their practices were once again. We've talked about this before in the Old Testament. You had a lot of demonic 
human sacrifice type things happening mm-hmm. and God's putting an end to that. Yeah. You know, you have, you've got like the tower of Babel and you have all these accounts of, of just people going madly astray and God's putting an end to those things. So back to the story. So Rahab, you know, if you know the story, you know, she, she secures her family in her, in her home and she, um, the, the walls fall. So they, they they march around the walls with their musical instruments. Mm-hmm. Not a not a not in anyone else's military playbook. That was <laughs> that was that was not something you you're gonna see anyone else doing. But they march around the walls and blow their trumpets, and the walls come down, except for Rahab's home. Yep. I think it's so profound in the sense that God's doing the dirty work. He's keeping his people's hands clean. In so many ways, it's just it's just incredibly significant. The idea that um, that as long as they are trusting in Him and they are 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 adhering to His instructions, He's He's going to keep their hands clean. Yeah. And and the same for for Rahab. Now she and her family are um, are you know as they assimilate into the the Israelites and and become just a part of of their community in the lineage of the Messiah. She's recorded in Matthew's genealogy. Like there, there's so much that happens from, from this, this point forward, Mm -hmm. but it's such a unique position when it comes to war. Now, obviously this is, you know, this story is, is different than, than many others that we're going to look at, but I think it's important to look at in terms of, of justice and the way that the way that God wants his people to stay in, in, in line with his will so that all of the violence and the atrocities and the horrible things that happen, that they, they don't have to, they don't have to defile themselves and dirty their hands that way. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Anyways, so that's Rahab. That's Mm. Jericho. That's, um, now we're going to have that song in our head. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, how'd it go again? And the walls came. And down. And down. <laughs> Wait, no. Joshua at the battle. Oh, I literally went to a complete. I said, I can't down to the ground to get out of the rain. Yeah, that's the ants go marching. That's ants go marching. It's like something's not right. No, nope, we were not on the uh, same page there. <laughs> well, okay. I want to go back just a little bit. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about God showing mercy. Yeah. Because like when... When I would read that story, you know, God was very clear. Everything must die. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Um, and everyone. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that like, well, dang. Yeah. God, yeah. Like, you going to kill everybody? Like, yeah. the, the, the children, like, the children mm-hmm. didn't do anything. But then, if, if you, because you got to go back. Because if you remember, was it Ab- Abraham when he told mm-hmm. Abraham, I'm going to, you know, yep. he gave him the promise of yep. the children, your children being many on the earth. Yep. And um, I believe there's a scripture where he talks about the promised land, but yeah. that land was inhabited by the Canaanites, yep. but he was giving them time because their sins hadn't gotten to the place yep. where there was no return. Yep. And he was giving them time. Do you yep. realize he gave them 400 years? Isn't, isn't that remarkable? And that's such a good point to bring up. That's such a good point to bring up. And, and, and what, you know, when he's talking with Abraham and he calls them, him out of, of, of the land, mm-hmm. 
it's important to realize like you, you have that moment with Abraham and Isaac and, and God stopping him before he sacrifices his son. Now that seems so absurd to us. Like what in the world? I remember reading it as a kid being like horrified, like what kind of parent is like, okay, God, I'll sacrifice my kid. (laughs) What? Right. What? Um, but the, but the, the reality is that would not have been as bizarre a thing to ask for Abraham Mm -hmm. Because he would have seen that. Right, right. That was a common practice. Right, right. With the god Molech, mm-hmm. like we have archaeological remains of of their of the statues that they would place infants on. Yeah. To sacrifice, it was it was it was they believed it would it would grant them the gods would grant them prosperity. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so and that was why they would they would sacrifice a firstborn child because in return they believed that the gods would bless them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But God saying that's that's abhorrent to me. Oh, absolutely. And and <laughs> if you if you com- if you make that parallel between where we are today. Oh. Fam, it's a scary place. It's, it is. Like, it's a scary place. Like, it is. I know it's controversial, but when you talk about things like uh, abortion and late-term yeah. abortion and yeah. all those things, it's like... Yeah. Y'all realize he destroyed um, yeah. civilizations yeah. because of that. Like, because like of that. the children, the innocent, you yeah. know, the killing of children was so yes. important to God. Yes. And... He gave these people 400 years to repent. Yes. You want to talk about patience? That's, that's, that's. I don't have five minutes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and think about, think about the, the response God had when Cain kills his brother. Now that we're talking about adult males. Yeah. Okay. Cain kills his brother. God leaves heaven, comes down, confronts Cain because of his brother's blood. Now, to me, that says how much more would God respond to the cry of an infant child? Right. How much more does that that tug at his heart? Yeah. Now, obviously, I'm from the womb to the tomb. Like mm-hmm. that that's that's my stance. So so seeing him respond to Cain, I'm like that is that is is beautiful to, to come to defense uh, to the defense of Abel. But I'm also thinking about these these little infants. Like they have no choice in the matter. So like for God to give them that much time to repent and to turn and, and clearly Rahab's heart turned yeah, and, and her whole family comes to her home. It's a, you know, it talks about it in scripture, you know, them being given land mm-hmm. with the, with the Israelites. When you read in scripture and, it, and it's saying everyone has to die. Yeah. A lot of times we look at that as like, that is so far I know, out. I know. But you have to imagine what, what the Canaanites are, are calling and inviting into their civilization when they're sacrificing to false gods, when they're praying to all these idols, and when they're inviting that realm. I know, like sometimes you know, it's oh, it's spooky to talk about that spiritual realm, but it's very real. Oh, it is very real. It's very real. It is very real. So when you're when you're inviting that kind of presence, and like you said, over the course of four hundred years, you would have been able to invite quite a bit. <laughs> so, right. I mean, Let's be honest. So you you know you have you have to imagine that there comes a point where you know good has to say enough is enough. Yeah, because the wicked the wickedness would have permeated yes every part of this. So like even if you 
yeah. killed the men or the or the women, but you left the children. Like that mentality Absolutely. is so ingrained in their person that they would carry it on. Absolutely, you know what I'm saying. And I know it sounds terrible to yeah. say it, like yeah. And even now, it's like I feel horrible <laughs> saying it, but like. I guess God felt like he had to start over. Like and, he had to wipe out that wickedness. And you have to imagine God foreknows. And so he would know whether or not the hearts of the people there would ever right. be willing to turn. Right. Right. It doesn't matter what age. Right. Would they ever be willing right. to turn away? Right. And and so, you know, you you have this one woman who is distinguished for turning and her family is protected thereby but you'd have you have to imagine like if if we believe that god is able to foreknow which we do then then he would he would be able to recognize you know are there any any left Mm. are there any remaining Mm -hmm. who would would be willing to turn away from their wicked ways and 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 stop Mm -hmm. the evil and there are examples of that too Mm -hmm. like when you think of abraham and sodom Absolutely. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yep. And God told Abraham, I'm finna destroy this place. Yeah. And Abraham was like, but would you destroy it if there was, I think he started with 50? Yes. Would you destroy if there were 50 people? And God was like, no, I won't destroy it. Yeah. Okay, would you destroy it if there was, what, 20? Yes. And And he keeps getting down. I won't destroy it. Mm -hmm. 10 people, I won't destroy it. (laughs) Five people. Exactly. Exactly, and you have you have other instances too, like Jonah with with Nineveh. Right, he didn't think he thought God was too merciful. Right, he didn't think they deserved to live. Not a right. single one of them. He right. was like, nope, obliterated. I'm not going. I don't want to prophesy. Jumps a ship. Obviously, we know how that worked out for him. <laughs> but but it's you know you you have these instances where if they you know if we had been alive and we had witnessed the horrors that were happening at that time. What would we have really actually said? Would mm. we have been like Jonah? Mm. Would we have been merciful like Abraham? I don't know. I don't know. I can't yeah. answer that. But yeah. but um but we we the we do have to be aware of what they were facing. Yeah. Because it was it was more than just I want your piece of property. Yeah. So I'm gonna come and take it. Right. And you know that's the part that I think people get tripped up. Like yes. it, in all of it, what we're trying to say is to understand, like what you were saying at the very beginning, to understand God's heart for justice. Yes. And his mercy is all wrapped up in, in it. Absolutely. And he knows. Absolutely. He knows the hearts that are for him. That's why he went for Rahab. Oh, exactly. He went for it, Rahab. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? He didn't have to. Mm-mm. He could have just been like, we're going to march around this place and everybody's Every going. Everybody's going down. But he sent the spies yeah. because he knew Rahab. Yes. Who was in the lineage of Jesus Christ? Yes, his great, 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 great grandma. Yep, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, exactly. Now, I I did um, I did a series on, on violence, and I, I was talking about David. Mm-hmm. Now, people came at me. That's a good one. When I when I talked about David, what because did people say? <laughs> they were not happy that I pointed out a flaw. What was the flaw? He had a tendency toward violence. The man of God <laughs> was cruel. And 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 here's so sorry. here's the thing. <laughs> I think I personally feel like what I saw in people's responses was our tendency to put biblical figures on a pedestal. Yeah. And to read the Bible as though it's a story about 
cool people, cool Christians who live before us. Yeah. Um, But it's not. Yeah. It's not. I think we need to be realistic. And I don't mean to say he was cruel. He's not. He wasn't cruel. I don't know. (laughs) But, (laughs) But I think, like, to your point, like... I think we we need to be realistic about these people. Like just because their name is in the Bible does not mean that they were like amazing and like without blemish, without blame, without fault. Nobody (laughs) is perfect. That's in the in the Bible. Nobody is perfect. Right. So you 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 have to figure when we're reading the stories of people, the Bible wasn't written to introduce us to David. Okay. The Bible wasn't written to introduce us to Rahab or anybody that's, that's in the Bible, except God. The Bible was written as a divine revelation of God to his people. Yeah. And that is something to always keep in mind. Another thing is if, if, if you have a problem with David's flaw, with his tendency toward, toward violence, um, those aren't my words. Mm-hmm. Okay, in 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 Chronicles, David himself tells his son Solomon that it was it was his failure. He wanted to build God's temple. He wanted so badly to build God's temple, and 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 ultimately the the the, the prophets come to him and they say, God says no. God yeah. says no. You you yeah. shed too much blood. No. The answer is no. That that honor to, to of building God's temple, which was huge mm-hmm. would be passed to your son because mm-hmm. you you've 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 shed too much blood he points it out first chronicles 22 8 he's talking to his son he points it out and he and he tells him because david was wasn't a man of honesty and, yeah. and and integrity um despite his many failures he came clean every time yeah. he screwed up he came clean yeah and and he does and he tells he tells uh he tells solomon uh, this this is going to be your responsibility because I, I I messed up. Yeah, and that scene is so beautiful in its vulnerability. Yeah, I'm not picking on David. David is a remarkable character, mm-hmm. but he's a human being with flaws, and that's another thing that I wanted to point out. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about his his tendency toward violence, but but something that's so important is that sometimes in scripture. The violence that we're seeing is more about man just behaving badly. Mm. Sometimes the violence that we're seeing is recorded because it's true and it happened. Right. And that, that is something that we, that we need to remember, but not because this is how God wants us to behave, but because this is how man sometimes really gets it messed up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So... The the David's tendency towards violence appears pretty early on. So if if you've read your Bible, you know that in Second Samuel he meets a girl by the name of Abigail. At this point in David's life, he's been anointed king, but he's on the run from Saul, and uh, on the run for his life. Okay, and he has a whole army who's remaining loyal to him because they do believe that he is the anointed king, the rightful one to 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 rule. But um, but you you have to imagine they're. They're living in isolation, on the run for their lives, um, doing pretty menial tasks like guarding. Um, in the, in this particular story, they're they're guarding um, a man's flocks, mm-hmm. his livelihood. Mm-hmm. But he's anointed king, and he's living the life of a shepherd right. on you know being hunted, mm-hmm. you know essentially. So, so you have to imagine. Um, there, there's a, there's a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pressure that they're under, and and his men are probably starting to question like, 
did we get this wrong? Like, <laughs> is this guy really who we think he is? Basically, as the story goes, um, Nabal, Abigail's husband, um, he should have provided for these men who are doing him this great service of taking care of his his flocks and um, and have been, you know, working and then he's having an incredible season because of them because they have Mm -hmm. done such a great job and instead he insults um david and he basically uh he 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 insults him in, in a really like aggravated way he he's he's essentially says you know who's this this you know nobody Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and there are a lot of servants who run away from mm-hmm. their masters these days. So he, he even impugns the idea that David is an anointed king and he completely just, just writes him off. Now, David takes great offense at this. I feel like, <laughs> you know, we talk about triggers. Oh yeah. I feel like David was triggered. Oh, absolutely. Because when he was, when, remember when Samuel, the prophet mm-hmm. came to anoint the next mm-hmm. king. His father didn't even think him significant enough yes. to invite him to the dinner oh, that point. everybody was supposed to be brought to. Ooh, Samuel yes. said, bring all your sons. Mm-hmm. His father and here's David. didn't even think Mm-mm. about David, Mm-mm. who's out in the field with, out. The, with the flocks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like David was triggered. Ooh, that's a I good feel point. like he was like, yeah. <laughs> If David was a woman, right? we would have been like, you yep. know what? Yeah. You know what? You gonna come for me? All right. Exactly. No, I that is such a good point. I had not I had not even put that together. That is a really good point. No, um, and, and so so he does. He gets he gets really angry and um and he He's he's gunning for Nabal. He's gunning for his whole household. Mm-hmm. What'd he say? Because this, this he says something. He said May God do so or something like that if I leave any male alive. Any. Any. Not just Nabal. No. No, I'm taking no. out your Every family. Yes. A servant overhears and they go straight to Abigail. And that's where she comes into the story. Mm-hmm. Now, clearly, the servants knew who to go to. Mm-hmm. They, they knew who the person was who was wise and level-headed. Right. And they go get Abigail. And Abigail, she has the longest recorded speech of, of any woman in all of scripture. Um, brilliant delivery. She would have made an incredible lawyer. Mm. Um, she, cause she never get, gets off track, but she knows how to approach David. Mm-hmm. And, and she, she meets him. What I love so much about her speech is that she meets him where he's at. Mm. she doesn't ignore the pain that he would have been experiencing. She doesn't right. ignore the fact that, that Nabal was in the wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and so even though we might look at this as like, as a massive overreaction, dude, like, okay, mm-hmm. like take a chill pill, settle down. Not everybody has to die because <laughs> Nabal doesn't think you're king. Um, but, but Abigail instead she meets him where he's at. She also brings a ton of provisions and things like that for his for his men. But she she speaks a word over his life and 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 actually prophesies things that that will come for yeah. him. But I think it's such an important moment because she's his counsel, and he recognizes that. Yeah. He actually blesses her for her counsel. He stops and he says um, that that you have kept my hands from murder. Yeah, and he recognizes that. Uh, shortly thereafter, um, Nabal drops dead, and um, and th- it actually says the Lord struck him, and um, and then David marries Abigail. 
Now, you have to imagine David recognized to her face his his weakness. Yeah. You know, to say, bless you for keeping my hands from murder. Like, he recognized. Yeah. I was about to make a big mistake. Yeah. And, and so when he, and he blesses her for her counsel, for her wisdom. So you have to imagine he, he saw in her that, that whole idea, um, you and I have talked about this before, but the word helper, what that actually means in the biblical context, that word helper is, is more of a, a completion, more of a, and, and, and he's recognizing that in her. Yeah, like that she has you, what I don't have. Exactly. <laughs> it's really a unique story. It's a unique, um, situation after Abigail passes, you know, things for David, he struggles a lot in that area. And, and ultimately, like we talked about before, ultimately it leads to him not being able to, to yeah. build the, the temple, which is pretty sad, um, how it all, uh, turns out. But, um, but yeah, but yeah, that's, that it's, it's, it's his honesty, it's his vulnerability, um, but it, it. But at the end of the day, um, violence was his weakness, and yeah. there were times where God definitely used David, you know, victoriously according to His will. There were times that that God used David despite the, you know, his own failures yeah. and and weaknesses. And that's that's another side of it. But is this is this character acting in line with with how God would want them to, or right. is God using them despite? And one character that comes to mind for me in that instance is Samson. Oh, <laughs> hot mess ministries. <laughs> I mean, if ever, seriously, if no. ever, okay, there so, was a prophet. So how how was the story Samson taught to you? I, I, just just your your paraphrased version because I know how it was taught to me. You want you want the, the G rated version, <laughs> or you want the ivory? I want the New York I, version. Go for the ivory from New York. <laughs> Samson was out here in these streets, <laughs> wilding. Okay, he was he was a prophet. The Lord called him to be a judge over the people, not a prophet. Called him to be a judge over the people yeah. um, from birth. You know, the Lord's told his parents he's going to be holy. He's going yep. to be set apart. Don't ever cut his hair. He mm-hmm. cannot touch alcohol. I'm going to use him mightily to bring justice for my people from yep. the Philistines that the people of Israel were under yep. oppression under. But from a young age, he did nothing that God <laughs> told him to do. <laughs> like He disobeyed everything and he loved everything. Every woman. Oh, the all man, of them. his his weakness. Like he just loved women, in particular Philistine women, right? <laughs> and the ones chasing false gods. Yeah, it, in- it was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was like, bro, like, yeah. you literally are just out here yep. wilding. Yep. Literally, the only way that he kept his Levite vow was because he didn't cut his hair. Yeah. And that was that was where his strength. Because the Bible depicts him, he's eating uh, forbidden foods. He's the alcohol, touching unclean things, touching unclean things, chasing after women who worship false gods, like literally every way he could possibly right. not obey or, right. or, or follow his, right. his consecrated lifestyle. Um, that he, he went for it. He went for it. Interesting side note. Mm-hmm. Cause I was always in, in, especially like in Sunday school, the depictions you saw of Samson, he was like 
super bulked muscle And beautiful man. looking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Side note, he might not have been a muscle man. So his strength was a supernatural gift. So you mean to tell me he was looking like, um, <laughs> what's, 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 the, what's that movie? Marvel movie? Captain America before he was Captain America? It's, it's, it's very possible. It's very possible because the fact that they needed Delilah to get his secret implies that his strength was not obvious. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, if you think about it, his strength came on him in those moments and it was a supernatural thing. So it implies, and again, this is not explicitly stated, but it implies that his strength was not an obvious or a physical, natural strength. I never would have thought of that. It's, it's just, it, it, it really has nothing to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> I know, but it's, but I mean, yeah, it's just interesting. <laughs> I just thought he was like muscles on muscles on muscles that's on how muscles. He, that's how I <laughs> was always depicted. And, and, um, and when I was taught the story... You know, because again, grouped in church. So I was always taught the story that, you know, Samson was. He was this gorgeous muscle man. And, you know, and he defeated all these Philistines mm-hmm. and dirty Philistines. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then he's slayed by a woman. Because, <laughs> <laughs> amen, women it's, are always the problem. Oh, it's, it's every blockbuster. Right. You think about it. It's even like, even like King Kong is the beast. Gets slayed by the beauty. It's it's so many. Anyway, wait, that's that's off subject. Anyways. Anyway, back to what we were talking about. <laughs> so, the the period that Samson is born into, because mm-hmm. I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, Judges is not a great time no, for it's Israel. Not. It's it's really not. It's a hot mess. It's a bad season. It's and, and it's like every new king seems like worse than the last. Mm-hmm. And the the Israelites. Well, they didn't have kings yet. It was judge, judges. Judges. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. Every leader. Um, but they continue to fall into apostasy, um, and the tribes are very fractured. Even foreign foreign alliances at that time in history were yeah. really, really busted up, hot mess. Yeah. So there's uh, it's it's a rough time. Mm-hmm. It's a rough time, mm-hmm. and you have to figure that unity within the tribes is a big deal. Yeah. Because again, you're the lifestyle that they're living at that time. You needed each other. Yeah. You needed each other really badly. Mm-hmm. You needed that leader that would come in and unite the tribes. Yeah. You know, we see that happen later with Deborah. Yeah. But um, but Samson, you know, you you have this incredible child story where you know he, he's the the God comes and he tells his parents, you know, this is what's going to happen, and and so you know you're kind of anticipating this hero rising, right? You know, and and instead. Like you said, he's out there wilding. And um, not, not a model of how to follow God or how to remain faithful at to all. God at all. <laughs> at all. And, and another thing, the Philistines, um, they were bad news for the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Um, not only because their gods were continually the ones that the Israelites would, would fall into, like, oh, let's adopt this one right. and, and that kind of thing. But um, the Philistines were, were pretty brutal. And when they sought to oppress, it was, it was in, a, in a big way. Mm-hmm. Like any chance they got, snag some Israelites, enslaved them. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you, you have, you have a, a, a natural fear of the Philistines. Now, obviously, Samson knows he's he's able to take him down. I mean, and there are a number of instances where he does exactly that. Right. 
but um but but not I feel like those were always for like selfish reasons i was just gonna say like, that they were never really for like holy i was just gonna say that literally because because i mean you you have this opportunity with your supernatural gift to unite your people under a leader who's clearly able to protect you yeah i mean he knocks out how many men at the the wedding ceremony, right, yeah, I, I mean, can't like remember. I can't remember how many. It's it is. A lot, a lot, single handedly, mm-hmm. single handedly. I mean, to the point where the Philistines were so terrified of Samson that they did. They yeah. hired Delilah to get his secret from him. It, it's it's the kind of situation where, um, a lot of times I've heard the story of Samson taught to where Samson is is pretty much on a pedestal. You know, here's this this hero. Um. Unfortunately, the story doesn't really read that cleanly. At all. Like, I don't understand it, it, how people could see him in that light. It's, 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 not, it's not that clean of a narrative. And, and honestly, you could read it pretty sympathetically toward Delilah because of how badly Samson behaves. And then she gets hired to get his, his secret out of him. But she's doing it in defense of her people. So it's kind of like a spy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So anyways, um, but that it's, it's, it's more of a, a tragic story than anything. Yeah. It's more of a tragic story because you, you have, um, you have the potential for Samson to be, to be the hero that I think that a lot of times we depict him as, and he's not, he's, he's not, he, um, he, you know, you have to figure how is he using his gift? And like you said, for himself, like all the time. Yeah. And so God does use him in spite of that, but not certainly not because he was so allegiant and faithful to God. Yeah. And, and you kind of have to wonder what could have been if he had, Oh my God, the potential, you know, is amazing. You think about that and you think about how, how much struggle was happening with his people. And that he would just, you know, oh, I'm going to use this all for, for me. Yeah. You know, that, that's, and, and so ultimately the way the story ends is, is really, um, really brutal. But, um, but ultimately when we're reading these stories in the Bible and we're reading scripture, we have to ask ourselves, is this God sanctioned or is this man behaving badly? And I think a lot of times because he had this supernatural gift of strength, people want to say that his acts of violence were God-sanctioned because, you know, it was empowered by God because it was a supernatural gift. Mm. And, um, and I think that that's, that's um, playing it a little fast and loose. You have a supernatural gift. That's true. Yeah. But you also have the freedom to choose. Yes. And the freedom to choose means that sometimes you're going to choose the wrong. And Samson chose the wrong a lot of times. I feel like that should make us today be very careful. Oh, yeah. Especially those who are very, very gifted. Yes. Like, you can you can mistakenly think that because I'm gifted and mm-hmm. because God is using me, therefore, I must be righteous. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. God can use you. In spite of, and the mm-hmm. Bible says the gifts are without um, repentance. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. in not all case, not all cases is he's going to just take your gift from you. If right. You're, you know, you might right. still have your gift, 
But just because God is using, like, we should always, we should all examine. Absolutely. Like, constantly examine. Because then we can start relying on our gifts. Yeah. Which is, which is a scary place. Yeah. Instead of relying on God. And maybe that's what Samson was doing, was relying on himself and the mm-hmm. gift that God gave because he knew he had a gift. He knew. He but knew. he wasn't necessarily, God was not his God. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. at least that's not what it seemed like. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, if you're serving yourself, you're not also serving God. Right. You can't serve yourself and God at the same time. Mm-mm. So, you know, th- there's, that, there's that moment at the very end and um, when, when he, you know, the famous scene of him pushing, it's depicted in so many works of art, but um, when, he's, when he's pushing the temple pillars apart and, and it collapses on him and he dies. Um, and it's a pretty tragic death in, on a number of levels. Mm-hmm. I feel like at the end of his life, there was a tremendous amount of remorse. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and that's that's the danger that we run into yeah. when like you said when we're relying on our gifts when we're relying on on those things that you can get to a place where you you've isolated yourself and you've and you've removed yourself ultimately from a larger purpose because at the end of the day if 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 Samson had allowed himself to 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 follow God and to, to lead his people, I would have, I would have seen a very different ending for his story. Yeah, I think it's really sad too, because when he pushes the pillars, right? Yeah. Well, first of all, he lost his eyesight. Oh, he yeah. lost his vision. Now you could read real deeply into that. Oh, very much so. Not only did he lose his, his physical vision. Yeah. He lost his spiritual vision as well. Yeah. Right. And, and so when he pushes the pillars, I think it was the pillars of the temple, whatever. Yeah. And all the, you know, Philistines were, were there and, and he was like, Lord, for my eyesight, let me give yeah. me the strength one yeah. more time one to more push time. these pillars. And it killed him, but it also killed all these Philistines. Yeah. And what's really sad is the scripture says that he killed more people in his death, in his death. than he killed in his entire lifetime. Yeah. That to me... Yeah. Is really, yeah, really sad. Yeah, because it didn't. I don't think God intended for it to no. be that way. No, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Because I, I, I feel like we read his story the way that it went, as though that's how it's supposed to be. Now, obviously, God knew He was going to choose right wrong, right. But I don't think that that in giving him this supernatural gift of strength, that God wanted him to use it that way, mm. because. At the end of the day, God wants us, uh, our, our service to be for him because his picture, he sees so far outside of time and space and the way that we see things. And we see things so temporal that when he gives us these tremendous gifts and these tremendous abilities, he knows how it's going to come around in, in a much larger picture. Yeah. And oftentimes in our lifetime, it might not look grand or significant, but God sees how it's going to be grand and significant. Yeah. And as long as we're trusting him, at the end of the day, you you lead a life that that is like magnified times a trillion beyond what you could have ever thought or imagined. Whereas when you live it trusting in your own gifts, 
like Samson did, Mm -hmm. the impact that you have, I mean, he was more impactful in his death than he was in his life. Would you say that like, you know, permissive will and then God's perfect will, Mm -hmm. um, is that even, is that in the Bible? I feel like that's more of like doctrine and theology. Cause I feel like, and I don't know. So people don't come for me. (laughs) Um, I'm just conjecture. I'm just thinking. Yeah. I feel like, do you think that maybe Samson chose permissive? will, like, because so many, like when he was choosing wives, right? His Mm -hmm. parents was like, do you have to? Like, why can't you Seriously. choose from among your own? Yeah. And Samson was like, no, mm-hmm. this is what I want. Mm-hmm. You were going to get it for me. Now, he needed a whooping. He was like, no, this is what I, this want. Is what I want. And so he chose that yeah. path. And yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, it's even like it's even like in the case of, of Moses. God calls him. And, and Moses is like, oh, I'm not a good speaker. Mm-hmm. I stutter. You know, he has all these reasons and all these excuses. And finally, God says, okay, fine, you can take Aaron. Who was a pain in his side. Right. <laughs> right. God told him to go. God didn't need Aaron to come along, too. Right. A- again, like you're saying, like the difference between like perfect and p- permissive will. God allowed Aaron to go with. Right. God allowed Aaron to be the mouthpiece. But I have to wonder what... what was the difference? What would have happened if he yes. just if he, if it had just been Moses? Yeah, I don't know. I can't answer that. Yeah, but I but that's that is that again where it's like we um, we see see things in a very linear temporal space. And God sees three D. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So these these stories they're so. Um, there, there's so many layers to these stories, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, but, but again, when we when we talk about violence or really anything that we can't quite wrap our brains around when we're reading scripture, it's usually because there's more to it, yeah, than just the surface level, yeah. And and in the story of Samson, the story of David, you know, the story of Rahab, all of those things. When we when we read it, um, it's it, there's more to it. There's just always more to it. That's what I love about the Bible. That's why it's my favorite book. Because you can't ever, you can't ever get all the way. (laughs) You can't, you can't, you just, you can't, you can't there. You can never finish delving through all all the layers. So yeah. Yeah. That's good. Anyways. That was a good one. (laughs) I enjoyed that. All right. But uh, thanks again for joining us. And, um, and yeah, like, and subscribe. And all the things. All the things. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, anyways, but um, join us again next time. We're we're always um, always talking about all things Bible. <laughs>